Street Part 3. Freddy's just around the corner. Come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and germs, to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. I'm your host, Colin. I'm surrounded by the internet radio superstars, including... Thank you for having me again. This is David Albertson, and I brought some barbecue. He did, and we ate like kings. It was fantastic. Thank you, Dave. I like to be a guest on the Saturday <laughs> Freak Show. I appreciate everybody having me. Thank you again. Well, we love having you, Dave. Thanks for being here. This is Cheers. Brent. I'm Gary, and I'm partially in a food coma at this point. But, <laughs> but it was delicious. I struggle through. Yeah. I know. I had way too much, but it was fabulous. It was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, every week on the Saturday Night Freak Show, we get together, we watch a movie, and then we talk about it for your listening pleasure. This week, Brent picked the movie. Brent, what did we watch this week? This week we watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. From the year... 1980... Fuck? I don't know. Seven. <laughs> <Is that laughs> <an actual laughs> I missed that. Damn it. 1980 fuck. Dokken was strong, and there was a lot of hair metal band going on, and a lot of claws. I need the See, case. Where's the case? <laughs> 87. It was directed by... Oh, there, there. Uh, it was directed by Rick or Rob or Chuck. Chuck. Chuck Russell. 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 <laughs> Chuck or Rob. Who also directed the horror movie classic, underrated in my opinion, The Blob. I agree, sir. It's a fantastic fucking movie. If you haven't seen The Blob, it's got Kevin Dillon in it. Don't hold that against it. I've got two copies if you need one. It's a great movie. You have it on Blu-ray? No, I got DVD. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I'm right. doing the best Twilight I can. Twilight time. Put it. I have one copy that I destroy so the Russians don't get it. There you go. So. <laughs> it's that good. He also got did it. the mask. Did oh, it? shit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I remembered Eraser. He did Eraser yep. with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he also did the mask. Get the right. Jim Carrey mask? Yeah. The, and yeah. Scorpion King. Yeah. Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. He did the Scorpion King. Let me see some of those notes. Dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. All right, wow. so usually we have a Captain Google. You may have, if you listen to our show, there's Captain Google. It's basically the guy who has to go and look up something that we don't know on the show. Gary has You're uh, a poet fucking... and didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gary's got a, a bunch of notes here, so I suggest we start a little game, gentlemen. At some point during the movie, or during the podcast, we should just ask Gary random trivia to see if he knows oh, the answer. Uh, Why did that have yeah. to land on me? Every time Captain you don't know Gary. the answer, you have to take a drink. Oh, well, okay. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know anything. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't even have a good trivia question to start with. But it'll come to us as we talk about yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Starry Robert England. <laughs> Who at this point is not credited above the title. He was in, by part four. And five and six. It was Robert really? England because, well, in his franchise. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wow. is amazing that like this entire franchise is predicated on like his performance as Freddy Krueger. Like nobody else has ever. Well, okay. I was going to say nobody else has ever played Freddy Krueger, but Jack Earl Haley did in the remake in I'll 2010. Stand by your original statement. Right. Uh, wait, that wasn't Robert England. And no, that was no. the new guy from Watchmen. 
Yeah, really? they recast him. Rorschach. Oh, Rorschach. I, I, okay, I was thinking New Nightmare. Wasn't he also you were talking in that about. Uh, Breaking Away, that bicycle movie? Yeah, when he was younger. And he was yeah. in a great movie called uh, Little Children. Yeah. Pretty good. Where he was a child molester, which probably is why they thought of him for Freddy Krueger. Right. Plus, he was Rorschach and he wore a hat. So, yeah. like, that's the guy we got to get him for. Did, did you say he was the kid from Bad News Bears? No, was he? He, he was the kid. Oh, holy Which kid? The the pitcher, like the badass pitcher that came in on the he's on the dirt. Oh yeah, bike. you're right. He was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in Breaking Away. He wasn't in this movie though, was he? Not no, he one. was. No, the, no, he was no. Freddy Krueger in Freddy the remake, remake of oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Gotcha, the really gotcha. bad, bad, bad remake. Bad remake. Bad. Freddy looked like a cat of a Nightmare on Elm Street. Bad. Well, they tried to make him look more like an actual burn victim instead of kind of the Robert, Robert England makeup this is like mo- a fantasy. Nightmare on Elm Street's been remade. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you remember when they were doing like uh, Texas Chainsaw? They Halloween. did Friday the Thirteenth, no, Halloween, I do not and Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, do us a favor and just stay away from it because it's All not right, very good. good. Because we like you and your ribs, and we want you to come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is bad. It doesn't do anything that the first. I mean, that's the rule of a remake, right? You have to improve somehow on the original movie, and the remake restages scenes from the original and does it worse. Well, you said this. You said before on a on a podcast recently that you couldn't remake certain movies. I don't think they should. And how can you remake that? Right? Isn't it a classic? Isn't Robert England like uh, Freddy Krueger? Yes. Yeah. I think so. So how do you remake? Yeah. Well, they proved it. They had another guy play Freddy Krueger, and it's not the same. It's almost. It's almost like the sports analogy when you've got a guy that's played for a team his whole career and then spends that last year at some suck team just to get some money. It's kind of like that. You know, they should just go out as that. Yeah. Don't bring somebody else in, and that's what they do. They're about to do it with the Crow starting next year. It's going to be the remake of the original, which I don't understand, but I won't get into that now. That's but, fine. Yeah, they're getting ready to remake it because the crow can be anybody. Why does he have to go back to being Eric Draven? He could have been anybody else. Yeah. You don't have to do it that way, but they're going to, and it's going to. I don't even have any interest in it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's if there's one thing, this is a platform to to air your complaints and derail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, yeah. Well, what's your history with this movie, Brent? Why did you pick it for our Halloween? Uh, this is the Halloween. Yeah, this podcast is coming out right after around Halloween. Yeah, it'll be like it'll be out on November first, so close enough. But uh, an answer to answer Hello, your question, future dweller, Colin. Um, <laughs> uh, growing up, uh, you know, these were I was young enough to that where these were like the first scary movies I got into. And they were still kind of taboo. I wasn't supposed to be watching them, but at a friend's house or, you know, late at night, we would catch them. And the third, this third one always seemed to like, it stuck with me. You know, I mean, it's the, I think it's the first, one of the first times I saw boobs in a movie. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to call you. I was going to say, what they say in group on the movie? Only true words spoken here. I was going to say, let's call it because it was boobs. But go ahead. Now you, you already called yourself out. <laughs> right. It was, it was, it was boobs. And <laughs> even watching it tonight, I mean, I think Gary pointed out that they are just fantastic. They're fake. Oh, yeah. They're, they're factory add ons. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but they're great. And boobs uh, are boobs. But these boobs are spectacular. Yeah. They're spectacular. Yeah. At least to the horny 13-year-old, you know, that uh, I think I was probably when I saw this movie. I remember, yeah. It yeah. Was, it well, out. as I would call Julie Newmar statuesque, 
call those breast-esque because those are just perfect. They're, they're melon-esque. That's what they should be called. Yeah. They're just like perfectly round. But anyway, they're fantastic. <laughs> and that's what brought us all to this movie. That, that, <laughs> that was a big draw. Um, the first one did have Nancy in the, in the tub. Which was cool, but I don't know. Did you didn't get, show anything? It, it was all well, like it's underwater yeah, so silhouette. side boob, but it was Sucks. actually the makeup guy's girlfriend when they had to shoot a scene. That scene, it was shot in his swimming pool. Well, was Heather, was Heather 18 thing. when she made that? Or? I don't know, somewhere around She was there. young. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. But Nancy shows up again in this movie. So this movie basically ignores pretty much A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Thank God. The Abomination. Yeah, and because uh, every every franchise has to have its weak link, and yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street two, for all intents and purposes, I think is the weakest of the uh, the Elm Street, or the one that the fans kind of say like it just doesn't feel like any of the other ones. Yeah, maybe that's why I like this third one so much because it always seems like a sequel will try and go off and do something completely different, and then mm-hmm. the third one brings it brings back. it back to the roots. And this one does that very well. Well, the, the sequel, yeah, but Nightmare on Elm Street 2 doesn't try to do anything different. It tries to remake the first one. Freddy is basically the same type of boogeyman that he is in the first one. Uh, the style of the movie is very much like the first one. They're shooting in the same house that they shot in the first one. All the rules. But Nancy's not there. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, it, but, but they, it's, they're, they're just, they're remaking, well, yeah. they remake the yeah. first movie with a male character instead of a female character. Yeah. But it's the same storyline. Yeah. Well, virtually. Can, you know? can I ask a question? Because this is one I, I can't remember. I was trying to think of it when we talked about two during the movie. Is he one of the Elm Street children or. It's just because they're no. in the house. Right. They move into the house. Oh, okay. And that's in the first one, don't they set up that Freddy's going back and getting revenge on the children of the, yeah, of the parents, people that killed the people that killed him. Yeah. So the second one just throws that away. Yeah. And, says, and he's no, trying well the, the, the key to the second one is he's trying to be reborn. He's taking possession of becoming physical again. Because uh, okay. he's a ghost, basically. He can only uh come at you in your dreams. So if he takes possession of this kid's body, the kid is gonna become Freddy and he'll be able to kill all the kids in the neighborhood, because that's all that motivates Freddy. He just wants to kill people. So do you yeah. have to have a landing strip for all these horror characters to come back? I mean, didn't you guys say <laughs> last week on your, uh, um, or maybe it wasn't last week, but uh, uh, for uh, Michael oh, Myers, Myers, this is his house, and yeah. he's going to kill anybody and everybody yeah. that yeah. shows up yeah. or that... Yeah. It's the same thing for Freddy. Anybody yeah, because Jason has the just house. the woods. If oh, you're in his Jason, woods, he's yes. going to kill you. If uh, uh, oh, Leatherface is another remake show up that and, shouldn't have been done. Right. Yeah. yeah. But this movie, uh, so it does actually, and this is, I guess, like, I, it, in my mind, there is uh, like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street trilogy, right? The other movies can kind of, they have good moments and bad moments, but overall, they're, you know, sub. Uh, like B-movie, you know, they're kind of in the C's, right? Uh, because you have Nightmare on Elm Street 1, which is a goddamn classic. Then you have Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which was... Uh, Dream Warrior. Also, yeah, but Wes Craven, I guess, had something to do with 1, 3, and 7, right? Seven. There's 7. Oh, we're going all the There's way to a new nine, Nightmare? I want to say, yes. right? Because Freddy vs. Jason would be the ninth one? Yeah. Because 7 is New Nightmare, right? Yes, sorry. So Freddy vs. Jason is the eighth it's one. Eight. Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh. And then there's the remake, which is not. So one, three, and seven all had the participation in some capacity of Wes Craven, uh, Heather Langenkamp, and John Saxon. Oh, it's right. like the, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's the Nancy uh, Thompson trilogy. 
Yeah, basically those three movies because four, five, and six are all kind of in their own way like retoolings of this movie that we just watched, Dream Warriors. Like Dream Warriors was one of those movies that like it's a sequel, but it changes the uh, dynamic. I mean, it it opens the whole world up, and now Freddy becomes this like you know carnivalesque character. Right. He's the got the young men of horror. Yeah, he yeah. has the one-liners. He's got more screen time than he did in the first movie. Uh, he has these powers that apparently, you know, like that just uh, what? Less than seven minutes screen time in the first movie. How much does he have in this one? I don't know. I just heard that random fact. The All right, day. you got to take a drink. It. You didn't know that. You All right, hold But I don't think Freddy showed up very much in in this movie till later. I mean, there was you know poking through a, a face through a. You know, a, a wall or or whatever, but Freddie, you know, a, yeah. as of a standing up character with claws out and a sweater on. I mean, it was more like a face. Or, and, oh yeah. yeah, he was the Freddie Worm first, right? In this one, it, it took a while for him to stand the... there and you know chase after you. Well, right away he chases uh, Patricia Arquette through the hallway, yeah. and that's yeah. like classic Freddie. But oh, then yeah, yeah, yeah. he does; he almost just facilitates their own would be suicides. Yeah. Which I think is what is so interesting about this film early on. And we talk about it with the Wolfman. It's like, if you take Freddy out of the equation, all of these characters could be crazy mm-hmm. and actually killing themselves. Well, yeah. the, like, only thing, the only thing I don't personally agree with on that is they had all dreamed about the same person, same situation before yeah. they ever even met. It, so I like the way where, that they're able to. No one's catching that tie. Yeah. That, and right, I, yeah, they bring it yeah. up. Like one of the kids yeah. is like, you know, we've been dreaming about this guy before we ever met. Yeah, that's but Phillip nobody acknowledges this, yeah. and then you know, they the staff of the hospital just immediately blows that off. I would think if you, know, you would hope that if I was a part of a staff of a mental hospital or whatever, I would find that significant. Well, but they're adults. <laughs> like, you are on the Saturday Night Freak Show. You are a part. <laughs> and, and these, but that's still, that's a very significant thing that you were dreaming about a guy same, who you could yeah. all identify with a burned face, fedora, red and green sweater, and, uh, you know, knives for fingers. And none of these kids know each other. Well, here's the they thing, all though. Met. If there's one thing that these movies teach us is that parents and adults with authority, they ignore the children. They don't listen to a word they say. Right? I mean, they're just like, they're, well, you're crazy. And, and, you're and crazy. Think, they, like, me, they don't care. To yeah. me, that almost brought up like that 80s parent, which was, we, you know, mom and dad are both out working. We don't have time for the kids. Throw money at the problem, and that's it. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what we had in the 80s in a lot of, you know, it's a, Yeah, areas. it's definitely a comment. I mean, it's, uh, dare I say, it's like a John Hughes film, you know? It's like these poor teenagers dealing with these, you yeah. know, asshole parents that yeah. just won't listen to them. They just don't want to go to sleep. That's it. <laughs> just yeah. don't make them go to sleep because they're going to get fucking except killed. Takes place on, <laughs> except it takes place on Elm Street instead of Shermer. Right. But, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, but none of this took place on Elm Street. It was in the Looney Bin. <laughs> yeah. That's, but there was a tie because these were, were the, the last of the Elm Street children. Which, which brings me the to the parents, point. The parents of whom killed Freddy Krueger. So the people in four, five... Where did these kids get tied in? All right, if they all right. Asked, you want, okay, I got, I got this one. Okay, good. I'm glad you. I got this one because Kristen, Patricia Arquette's character from this movie, has okay, and this is where this movie like steps it up, right? Okay, so I'm going to come back to this. Remember okay, what you said because I'm going to forget. Steps it up, but gotcha. the the way that this movie blows the world, it's like okay, we have had a first movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's one, it's a group of people all having these dreams, and they go to sleep. They have a dream, and Freddy Krueger gets them. First two movies. 
And in the third one, they're like, well, that's kind of boring. What can we do? That would be like, you know, something new. Like, what if they were all in the dream together? So, like you said, it's kind of the dream Avengers, no. right? Uh, <laughs> I got to give credit where credit's due. Dave, Dave, Dave said it. They that was Dave's that. line, yeah. How did you characterize it? Was it the Avengers of Elm Street the, or something they, like that? Well, no, it seems strange because everybody had their superpower. You know, I have my knives. I have my, uh, you know. My magical abilities. Magical, you know, out of my wheelchair. I have my, you know acrobatics you know yeah. things like this and yeah and it just seemed too fantastic you but know, that's not something that's in the Hulk. first two movies in the first two movies johnny dub doesn't dream that he's you know a superhero he just dream. it's like in the first two movies it's like the the way that freddie gets you is you're dreaming but you don't know it you and think you're, you're awake and then all of a sudden it's like it twists in this nightmare well, but isn't it know, nancy yeah. that tells them in their dreams they can be whatever they want to be isn't that her that tells but them she, that? she's she says you have power over in this one you're saying yes in, in, in this in one three before yeah. they didn't have that weapon and yeah they got took out except for at the end of part one when she's like you're not real this is a dream and she turns so that's to the where door she, just, she finds and, her yeah. her superpower she if i yeah. don't believe you or what in you then, then you're but, not real Okay, so Kristen in this movie has the ability. So she's the freak, right? Right. She has the ability to draw other people into her dreams. So this is where you have to make your first, like, I guess you already made a concession to reality that, you know, there's a ghost killing people in their dreams, right? So there's a girl who can pull other people into her dreams. And so that's how we get the dream warriors. We all get to share the same dream landscape and all interact in it. After this movie, Kristen pulls... Like some new girl that she meets at oh, high school. That's right. Into King, the dream. King and Joey are in the next movie. Yeah, but they get killed. Yep. And she pulls in what is it? the redheaded girl. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Lisa or something? Her name? Anyway, the girl pulls her in. Four? She's the one that has the four. dream child eventually. Yes, in the yes. fifth one. Yeah. In the fourth one, she pulls her in and then somehow magically transfers her dream grabbing or whatever sucking ability to this new girl. Who then pulls in all of her friends? Quick, in quick, two more movies. Quick question: Isn't in four she's dating that girl's brother? Kristen is dating that girl's brother. Am yes. I correct? Okay, yes. okay, all right. Now I'm yes. the complicated yeah. mythology. So then Freddie finds a new batch. But we didn't watch all these movies, did we? Huh? We didn't watch all these. No, movies, we just watched the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so that's setting it up of how they were able to spin this off into more and more sequels. Because yeah, by all intents and purposes. Uh, I mean, I think it's clever that they set this up. It's like, here are the children of the people who killed Freddy Krueger. And this is, there's only like, what, four of them right. when the movie starts. And once they are gone, then the the story ends because then Freddy Krueger has no more. No reason to come back. Yeah. His uh, mission to seek vengeance is completed. True. But we know that's not possible in Hollywood. We have to have sequels. But, uh well, it's very interesting that uh, they thought, or uh, maybe these are your words, Colin, I don't know, but the, for them to think that the idea of a monster coming into your dreams and being able to kill you within your dreams got boring, because like, that, <laughs> that template, you can use that forever. <laughs> like, you just have to be creative, and you can come up with anything. Well, you, know, you don't really have to stray from that. Like, that is set. You're, you're golden. Just change out the dream. <laughs> well, I remember, and I'm sure you do from the time we were kids, they always said, oh, if you die in your dreams, you die for real. I remember that when I was a kid. Somebody said, oh, if you're falling, the reason you wake up before you hit the ground is because if you die in your dreams, you die for real. 
And nobody knows if that's true because no, because who's woke up day. to tell them? Yeah. 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 Well, I remember Wes Craven said that you know the whole concept of this was inspired Out of by Tibetan. Saw, yeah, it was refugees from what was it from Tibet or Tibet. Vietnam or, or like or uh, Laos, something they had you know experienced war atrocities and come to the United States had severe psychological issues. There was a kid who said, you know, there's something in my dreams trying to kill me. I don't want to sleep. He was drinking coffee and hiding coffee pots under the, you know, under the bed or in the closet. And one night he went to sleep and he died. <laughs> Man. Right. Wow. So Wes Craven said, that's an idea for a movie. That is a movie there. Yeah. 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 I just got to burn a pedophile and we got, we got a show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still terrifying to this day. Even watching this, there's scenes that still give me the willies when I'm watching it. It's yeah. Well, Freddie yeah. was a creepy character, especially from in one. He, you know, he wasn't there a lot, but it was when he was there. It was, and then because to me, in one, he was terrifying. Yeah, one is a scary movie. I would yeah. say, you know. Yeah. But then, then it goes on to, it goes on to him doing all the one-liners, and that was. Yeah, and it's right. like, is that like a product of its, you know, is that like some kind well, yeah, of response cre- to, the, uh, wow, or like Arnold Schwarzenegger, say. you know, like every everybody had like, uh, uh, you know, the 80s was the well, one-liner Yeah, age. the Crypt Keeper from Tales of the Crypt, you know, he was always delivering the one-liners, yeah. and, you know, it's just kind of how they went, but... Yeah. I don't know. And Freddy Krueger got to call everybody bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that was his favorite word. <laughs> Which starts in this movie, I want to say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. With the Welcome suicide that almost time, is bitch. like the person that hangs himself in the room, there's a puddle of water because <laughs> the girl's halfway up the wall in the TV, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a little unbelievable. I was saying, like, the TV should have fallen on her, you know, at some point. I mean, you can still have the whole Freddy crash her thing but when the when the nurses come in well exactly yeah like it should be on the ground on her because that, that's what they did so well with uh you know they had the the jump well first you have patricia arquette cutting herself or it seems like she's trying to commit suicide and that, that, that i like that i like that's that scene. good except for yeah. one thing it's you know what i do for a living <laughs> when the pipes come up out of the thing it shows two pipes to make it look like a forearm yeah there's not two pipes there's there's no, no but pipe it's a your- fuck Right? To be fair, be this cool. is a movie about a man with claws coming into your dreams and killing you. But yeah. you're right. But you're right. That would make a cool bathroom sink. That would make yeah. a cool yeah, bathroom sink. Yeah, somebody um, somewhere's probably made it. But like that, you know. You should. Copyright I mean, Saturday Night Well, yeah, and then she thinks it's Freddie slicing her, and then she, yeah. mom comes in the room, and here's Kristen standing there with the razor blade and the cut wrist, and mm-hmm. she sees it, and then boom, down she goes. And yeah, and mom's already distant. She doesn't care. Well, about that's because she wants to get downstairs to Johnny Thunder, whoever is downstairs yeah. waiting for her, I looking her, for the bourbon. Well, I think that's a root chance. Don't make me do it twice. I almost choked on my beer when you said that during the movie. Is that a character? Johnny Thunder? <laughs> no, was it somebody was, that I didn't quite grasp on? <laughs> no, it was an old sexual device called Johnny Thunder Ride, but we won't talk about that. But I said, where's the whiskey, bitch? What does yeah. he say? Where's the fucking bourbon, where's bitch? Where's the fucking bourbon? Yeah. Freddy yeah. gets to swear. Oh, no, he, he was like the only guy on who swears of the uh, monsters. He looks slick in a tuxedo. Well, let's face it, Michael, right? Michael and Jason yeah. don't have a lot of lines. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say this is also like the first one where Freddy appears in something other than his red and green sweater. Yeah, many times. In the, well, he does after this, well, he's like in the a tuxedo. lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. before that, he, he becomes a uh, 
a chef in one of the movies. Or oh, God, please don't remind me. But the meatballs? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, meatballs yeah. and their kids' heads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which reminds yeah. me, as as the podcast goes along, since you have a game, I wanted to interject one. Your favorite nightmare girl from any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, which girl is your favorite? Favorite nightmare girl. I think that's easy, isn't it? I think so. I mean, yeah. oh, is it Nancy? I think it's really? Nancy. I think really? So. I think no, so. I'm going for... I, no, and I, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> Mine's <laughs> Tina. Yeah? Amanda Weiss? Oh, yeah. As in, I like... What are we defining favorite nightmare girl? Oh, we well, don't then it's Marcy, her. the fucking... The, I'm just whatever. thinking that... The, the nurse. nurse. <laughs> the nurse. Oh, okay. Well, if you want to go there, then I got to go with the bug the girl from, what is that, four or five? In the, the girl that's afraid of bugs. Yeah, uh, that's four. Four yeah, in the Roach no. Motel. Yes, yes, yeah. that's that would be my favorite. If we're going on that, I just like Amanda Weiss, Tom Arnold, and Roseanne Barr in six. Oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute! Did you just say Roseanne? Yeah, Roseanne. Okay, hold on. Let me get my phone out. I got to put that on the list. Yeah, that's a new list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the cameo movie. That's the one where the map says we're fucked, right? Yeah, yes. that's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. but see, that's the thing. I, I mean, I remember seeing that one in the theater, and it was a packed crowd opening night. And by that time, you know, Freddie had arrived you know i mean i think he arrived probably around this movie the fourth one was the biggest box office success of the group because you yeah. know this one was the layup and that was the you know yeah, even the four is not as good yeah. but uh uh i remember the audience reaction was just you know awesome for freddie's dead you know people laughing and cheering and i'm like i thought this was a horror Right. You know, it's like that kind of gotten lost over right. many, many iterations of the uh, exact same story. Yeah. Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 3 got remade like four times or three three times well, and it <laughs> until was, they we reset all it tickets. with Nightmare on Elm Street Part 7. Or, vi- or rented videos. We whatever. noticed in this one, it's also the start of going away from the knives for fingers because like there's a sequence where he mm-hmm. has the shots the syringes, the syringes yeah. instead of his knives. And then later on, I remember there's a lot. That of is still, though, one of my favorite shots in that movie, that special effect where her her track marks are actually hungry mouths waiting yeah. for the needles. Mm. That's actually one of my favorite sucking, effects yeah. in the movie. Yeah. 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 It's all Cronenberg doubt. Well, I wonder if that was like a response to the time. I mean, you had, uh, you know, kind of the MPAA was cracking down on movies for violence. I mean, you know, again, that Friday the 13th that I keep coming back to, part seven was the one that was like, hack the shit. So it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, they cut all the gore out of it. So the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were able to, like, survive this, you know, when the slasher movies were being cut. Slashed? Cut oh, by the MPAA. Nice. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> by the MPAA, like they were able to get around it by getting away from the the finger knives, which are the things that's like that's terrifying about that guy because right. he's gonna. I mean, in the first movie, he cuts people with knives. He's scraping them along. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they lost that from the character because that was like one of the things. He was always like screech. Yeah. He's you know that he was there and all that. Well, and that's yeah. all gone. Well, now he's stabbing people with hypodermic needles. Well, and the two, if you remember at that time, that was when they were hypodermics were washing up on the shore of like New Jersey. Remember that? Yeah. All that yeah. was going on too. So that was kind of a statement I always thought when I saw it anyway. Sure. But yeah, yeah no. Well, the thing too is uh, like with this, this Nightmare on Elm Street to me is one of my favorites. It is because 
I, I love the first one. The terrifying second one, again, we all want to forget it. But this one kind of led to where you could fight back against Freddy. The, the kids in the first movie were really, except for Nancy, they were unarmed. Yeah. They just got took out because they didn't know what they were dealing with. Right. And, and that's what I did kind of like. And I, Kincaid's one of my favorites. Uh, Philip, who I'm going to give a shout out to Travis that's not here this week. He is also in one of our favorite movies, which is Class of 1999. He plays Cody. Oh, in, yeah. in the class of 1999, yeah. Wait, quick. Who played the, uh, you know, the jerk, uh, like, uh, he's not a nurse. Is he a nurse? The guy who's like. The orderly? The, the orderly. Oh, God. Thank he's God. a dirtbag in every movie. I've yeah, seen him in a yeah, hundred yeah. movies. What's, I can't what's remember his name? any of them. I don't know. Take, take drink. a drink. I'll take the drink. Okay. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne played two parts in this movie. Can you name them? Larry, Larry, Larry and Fishburne and Lawrence. Damn all of you. I'll take, I'll take two drinks. Because, yeah, that was it. He played Larry Fishburne and Max. Yeah. Uh, and I just took two drinks. So there we go. He will be referred to as Larry from here on out on the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so what was he doing around this time? He was. This? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, this is before. I mean, he was. He had. Well, he was a. He was a name, you know, or at least something, because he'd done Apocalypse Now with Francis Ford Coppola, right? Yep. And then, must have been in something. I remember him showing up in this. It's like, hey, it's Larry Fishburne. And then... Well, he was uh, in Death Wish 2. Yeah. Yeah, he played one of the gang members that assaulted Charles Bronson's daughter. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. Oh no, no, I'm just saying. And then, well, and then, then he went on to like Deep Cover. Then he was yeah, Furious but, Styles. Was, and, but the, yeah, Deep that Cover was after. was after this. Well, this is when he switched from Larry to Lawrence Fisher and he become like a serious actor. Right. What's love got to do with it? Right, because nobody's taking Larry serious. Yeah. Right. This is also the first appearance, movie appearance of Patricia Arquette. Yep. Who does an okay job in this movie? I guess for being except for that scream. Yeah, that, that scream is kind of annoying. What did it say? Ear piercing scream? Sounds like a girl screaming. What? Ear piercing. Yeah. Listening to a person scream is not supposed to be a pleasant experience, gentlemen. We, we were watching all those monster movies. Those are screams. Well, like the yeah. blood curdling. The Fay Ray kind yeah. of scream. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. out there. Yeah. And then it's when you have the two of them, if you notice when they're screaming, when Philip is sleepwalking, suiciding, they're both screaming. At the first scene, you see Patricia Arquette. And uh, Jennifer Rubin are standing right next to each other. And then the second scene, Rubin's back behind. And that's probably because they're driving each other nuts with those high-pitched squeals they were emitting. Yeah, yeah that was like dolphin speak. It was <laughs> it was high-pitched. And I love how Joey wakes everybody up. to. He doesn't talk, so he, he has to let everybody know what's going on. But he leads them into his bedroom so they can watch him die instead of like leading him up the clock well, tower. Well, they can't the because tower. it's locked. Uh, it's locked. Oh, which he they walked tra- through it. He tried to. Okay, so uh, so he walked through he, that door. Wait a second. Yeah, Philip in his dream somehow walked through, walked through a locked. But door. he would have had to have physically. Uh, I'm I'm with yeah. the fire that. doors I were just, closed. Yeah, you're right. Well, I this movie that. violates uh, a lot of. Well, first of all, okay, wait. We should still talk about the sleepwalking scene, which I think is maybe the my favorite scene from. It the is movie. one. Yeah, it's it's very <clears throat> it's visceral. Hand, it's, it's a visceral scene. For it sure. still stands yeah. up today. I think is uh, it's pretty strong in the gore department. But this guy who likes to. Uh, uh, he makes marionettes. Yep. Freddie, of course, turns him into a marionette by pulling his veins and arteries out and is, using him as a, uh, a walking him around the halls as a marionette. It's brutal. Well, yeah, even the tops of those feet. I, uh, to this day, yeah. when I see it, it makes my feet hurt. I mean, yeah. just watching, it's like, oh man. Yeah. Because he, at first, you see, it looks like he sliced his wrists, 
and then down his calves or his thighs rather. And then the next thing you see, it's pulling it out, and there's like Maybe sticking the on top of the feet. Yeah, well, that's that what he pulls the, the tendons, yeah, tendons out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And oh man, it's yeah, yeah. It makes my legs hurt when I see it. Yeah, it is. It's rough, but it's not brutal in like a saw or hostile kind of way. Well, that's where like they porn. just kind of that's well, a whole it, but, they, but the distinction being, they just kind of wallow in that stuff. Where here, it's almost like I mean, it's not a throwaway. It's integral to that scene, and it's, it's supposed incidental. to make you. Queasy and it's supposed to be gross. It delivers on that, but it like it just doesn't seem like the movie is you know mean spirited the way that some of those other ones are. Well, and again, yeah, we, we become jaded you, over time, and I, I do call it. That's what I call hostile. Saw all of, it's torture porn. That's right. all. It, even the new Evil Dead. That's what that was to me. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you say that we've been jaded over time, but what year was Hannibal? Cannibal Holocaust, because that was... 1979. Okay. I told you not to watch that. I tried to warn you. <laughs> I told you you would never be the same. It's, it's true. It's the roughest of the rough. I mean, you gotta uh, watch that. Don't watch that film. <laughs> I do not recommend <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. Well, you like Ross a... remaking it, right? Pretty much. Yeah, the Green Inferno. The Green yeah, Inferno. but I think that's going to be done in a better, more you know. We hope it'll be the better, the better version did, of Cannibal. He did Hostile, really? That is your hope? No. Well, this one will be no. rated R. Cannibal Holocaust could what not be rated. going to make you sleep better tonight? Can, no. Well, Cannibal. I can't. Well, we're talking about Cannibal right. now, but uh, Cannibal has a good story. A good. I don't want to say message, but a good story in there. They just go. They the way that they acted out is all wrong, wrong, wrong. I mean, it's 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 just it's it's what's the word I'm looking for? Tainted. It's tainted. It's unforgivable. Yeah, it's um, it's brutal. But by the end, you can see what they were going for thematically within the story, and I think that Eli Roth can actually do that. I think well, that he has the sensibility. Yeah, so, to do so what we're talking about is we're talking about stuff that goes way over the top, and then what we did here, which is. It's it's brutal, but it's like oh my god, that's that's really cool. It's not done just for the sake of of the grossness of it. It right? is that's trying to gross you do. out, though, isn't it? I mean, well, that, yeah, but not not like the new stuff is. No, well, I don't know. I think again, I think it's it goes to tone. It's like here, it's a part of a larger thing that like the larger thing doesn't have this kind of mean spirit to it, right? Where well, the again, newer yeah. stuff is like all focused on this, and it's just going to throw well, like, like you, you said know. too. Here's a guy that likes to make marionettes, so in order to do this, we make him into a marionette. Yeah, you know, in the grossest this isn't, way possible. This is some guy that paid ten thousand dollars now gets to chop me up like I'm veal cutlets and eat me. That's <laughs> that's so. Therein lies the difference. <laughs> yeah. I forgot where we were going because I said we had to talk about the marionette thing before we moved on. To well, something else, and I forgot what that was. I don't know. I, it, I was it was that scene. It was the way that scene made you feel. It was yeah. very... It did make you feel some of the pain of that character, I think. And yeah. I, no, it does. I mean, through the performance and everything, it looks like that guy's in pain. It looks uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yeah, and it made me realize that I think there is... Like, we talk about eye trauma all the time. I think there's foot trauma. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those areas of your body that you can feel when someone else, oh, you can sympathize with the pain that you see on the screen. It's like, it with uh, Evil Dead when the girl gets stabbed in the Achilles with the pencil. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, the Achilles, that's the worst. The oh, Achilles. Pet cemetery. With oh, the, yeah. oh, God. I remember what my point was. My point was at that point, we're talking about the kid walking through the uh, doors, which is something that, okay, so he's sleepwalking, right? So yeah. Freddy gets you to do stuff in your dreams that you, then it transfers into a living reality, like, you know, 
Kristen sees a, uh, you know, her uh, sink coming to life with razor blades and cutting her. But in actuality, she's been stumbling into the bathroom and slicing herself with a razor. She doesn't remember this. She remembers the dream. Freddy's trying to do it. Right. Right. So that's the rules that we've set up. But in this scene and many more after this and the whole series in general, I think, starts to break its own rules. Yeah. How did Philip get through the fire doors to get up to jump off the top of the whatever yeah. the tower? He couldn't have done it, right? right? But somehow, because he was dreaming, he was able to pass through the doors. I can see you doing that in your dream, but there's a physical reality there that the movie's like, well, I don't pay any attention to that. We got to get these people up, you know, we, otherwise we don't have a movie. We got to get them up the tower. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other times when it like violates, like breaks its own rules. Well, that's uh, the same time, same thing with primetime bitch. You know, I mean, the fact that she is like Gary says, she could never actually shove her head through that TV at that height. What are you talking about? I could do it. That's like little tiny trampoline at that point. Yeah, yeah she <laughs> dive up there and then smash your head right into the TV yes. and hang there. I think you could do it. <laughs> no. How no you get way. rid of the trampoline though? A magician could figure it out. I'm telling well, that's well, what I said. Murder. It's called so Chris Angel. Murder. <laughs> well, but then they classified it as suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Who investigated that? <laughs> Larry? No, well, it sure wasn't Hannibal from uh, CSI Miami because, you know, he'd have figured out that wasn't Horatio. That's it. I always want to say Hannibal because that yeah. sounds better. Well, there's a later scene in the movie which uh, where, uh, okay, so actually we should mention that Craig Wasson from Body Double, which is yep. on this podcast, and you should go check that episode out. He stars as, I don't know if it's like, based, this is an ensemble cast, but he's one of the lead players as a doctor who's uh, helping Nancy, who's a grad student, now working with uh, uh, troubled kids. Well, I think she's After she's her experience in the first but, movie. Yeah. Okay, so this yeah, is her first job yeah. in the real world uh, right. working at an asylum, helping kids who have the same kind of problems that she had when she was younger. And then, oh my God, it is Freddy Krueger. I thought he was gone. Bam, you. You know, that whole well, thing. I think, I, but I think that she she seeks this place out. Like she's done her research and she goes here because she knows that these kids. Yeah, because she shows up at the hospital. She's not surprised. She finishes the the, the nursery, uh, rhyme. nursery rhyme, you know. Yeah, but she, the, the way. The ghost of Freddy Krueger's mom or the ghost of. No, spoiler alert. Uh, well, <laughs> she. Well, we're talking about Nancy, but she does show up at that point. <laughs> also, yeah, but Just Nancy is in. like she. See, I don't know. I didn't get that impression. I got that she went into this field, right? She went into sleep uh, to deal with studies, her own demons. And, yeah, to deal with her own demons because she's still dealing with the loss of her mom. Her dad, we find out in the movie when he shows up, kind of, which is a surprise, I guess, if you were paying attention to the credits. It's like, hey, it's her fucking dad in this movie, too. But, uh, you know, he's become like an alcoholic and lost all, you know, credibility but that he, he had because cool of what happened. Shot in a beer and a Marlboro. Yeah. Shot a beer and a Marlboro. Yeah. So Marlboro. she's dealing with that. She goes to this place in her hometown. It is still Springwood. So she still knows everybody. So, and yeah. uh, then finds out that these kids are dealing. And then it's like, oh, my God, I thought I beat him. But these kids are still dealing with him. That means he's still around. And now, you know, can I can I call one point of BS on this? Shoot. Okay. So it is still Springwood. Nobody knows that Nancy went through all that crap. All of her friends died and all this, and she just gets a job at the local mental hospital. I'm just saying I, that was one point that is BS to me. Always has been. You're saying no one, she would have been in the paper. Well, somebody would have known her history at least. I would think in this town because it is still her hometown. It's convenient. You go away to school, but that doesn't 
mean that people are going to forget all your friends died. You're acting sure. like this didn't happen. Oh, it happened. It happened. I know a cousin that lives in that town. No. Where is Springwood located in the continental United States? I'm just taking my drink. I don't all right. Care. It's Ohio. Mm. Did yeah. you not see that on the street? Part six. Well, all right. It's in Ohio. Yeah, Spring, uh, Springwood, all Ohio. The, all the best serial killers come from the Midwest. That's revealed as true. There's a map at the beginning of Freddy's Dead that shows where it is. Wow. There you go. Okay, all anyway, right. my point, where other where it breaks really? the rules, is uh, in a... Okay, so like most ghost movies, the way that you have to get rid of Freddy Krueger is find his uh, remains and bury them, because he was never buried in hollowed ground. That's why his spirit is roaming the earth. So he's a ghost. This is like a classic ghost. Where was he buried story. again? He wasn't. But where so, are they hiding? Well, they hid him in a junkyard. In a what? In a Cadillac. Oh, uh, see, I, you brought that up. I was proud of you. You remembered the Cadillac. The Cadillac. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But but <laughs> at this moment, they're like, okay, so uh, Nancy's dad and the doctor go out to bury the bones in a grave and consecrate it, right? Right. Freddy Krueger's in a dream, and he's like, wait, somebody fucking around with my shit. And he's yeah, like, I got to drop these kids and, and go out, up and deal with this. I say right. go up and deal with this because he kind of looks upwards, and then he disappears. And then the movie breaks its own reality because it's been established in the other movies that Freddy Krueger is only vulnerable if you can pull him out of the dream, right? Or if yeah. you're in a dream. Or if you're in... Well, yeah, I don't know how well, you kill him the in a dream. You turn, you, you turn your back on him and he loses power. This is the first movie mythology. Right, right. Again, I guess they haven't set this up for the second one. But in the second one, he is able to actually, like a ghost, appear in the junkyard, start all the cars. Right. In the third one. In the third one. Third starts, he appears in the junkyard, starts all the cars, and appears as a Ray Harryhausen-esque animated Thank skeleton. Thank you for pointing that out. While Neil and John Saxon are both wide awake. Right. Right. There's no dreaming going on. Right. How do we explain this? Because it's Hollywood and we're going to do it. Um, Elmer's Clue? <laughs> Elmer's Clue. That is one theory. That's, That's the a pretty good answer. best answer I've ever heard. Yeah. Because there is no put it together <laughs> so well. It's unbelievable. I couldn't figure out any other way to put it together. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I haven't seen two or three. Yeah, because or it, it totally this was in seven. No, that was in three. That was it. That was the scene in three in the in the in the, uh, the junkyard. What yeah, do you think? that's that's. Well, I think scene. it totally violates the rules. Yeah, I'm calling bullshiza on that. Yeah, because it's it's crap. Because neither one of them are asleep, and he can only well, attack you in your. Now, dreams. have we explored the idea that maybe they are asleep? Do we know that they're not asleep? Um, they're not sleeping. I'm going to go sure? no. They're not sleeping. Because <laughs> once they're digging graves, for Christ's sake. That could be a dream. <laughs> really? No, I'm devil's advocate, but still, oh, let's, let's explore it. Come on. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Let's say. So, we go out in the moonlight. We're digging a grave. We're like, you know what? Let's take a nap. So, and then Freddie shows up. Yeah. And now John Saxon gets thrown up onto the Cadillac. Wait. He's wiped out. Yeah. And I use the line in the movie because it's an old Cadillac has nice big fins on the back. And when he hit, the fin goes through him. And I said, he's finished. Nice. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes, yes. I couldn't pass it up. Uh, but, yeah. but then the doctor who, and, and this is again, this is a point I have with the movie. It's still one of my favorites. But we have a trained police officer who can't defend himself. 
what the nerdy doctor does. To his credit, the trained police officer smoked a pack of Marlboros, drank a Coors or a pack or something like that, had a couple shots and a beer. Which means he could be... That was the status quo then. I mean, you couldn't not smoke a cigarette while you're in the hospital. But or at the drink same or time, hit on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be, it's like, come yeah. on. Yeah, that's the 80s. And you had to have, like, big ass shark fin hair. But yes, with all I that, am. I mean, you just made my point. He could be passed out in that fucking car. But I'm going to go with they violated the rules. I, 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 I agree. My opinion. I, agree. I, I do I think agree. they violated So the we're rules. saying that this movie is not a airtight. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. No, it's like, one of the best, but it's not perfect. It's not perfect. A steel trap of construction. Which is strange because I think they could have still accomplished everything they wanted to without breaking the rules. I mean, yeah, but how would Freddie have defended himself if they weren't asleep? How could he defend he himself? Know, that They'd have been, just yeah. buried him and that would have been the end of the movie. Well, they, you, you would have just like made it ten, you would have built up the tension like they're getting to the uh, junkyard a little bit later. So Freddy's taken out each, you know, Freddy does the whole, of course you wouldn't have the John Saxon dad coming back. Right. Being which we couldn't live without. But now when you think about it, okay, okay. Yes, think about that. This weird <laughs> motherfucker sitting at a bar. Oh, John with Saxon's this a man. skeleton oh. sitting in a trunk, waiting to bury it until all hell breaks loose and then takes this wacky ass. Doctor from the <laughs> sanitarium to show up to say, please bury this fucking skeleton for Christ's sakes. Well, I just wanted to forget about it, though. Yeah, he was like, I, I got this thing tucked in a thing and not, where I'm never going to go back there again. Well, yeah, isn't it time to bury Freddy? I think I, so. See, I, I, was, I think he was hoping he would never have to go back to that Cadillac, you know? Yeah. But He's gone. Yeah. We burn him up. It's well, but he dealt with the physical manifestation of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. The child molester pedophile. He burnt him whoa, alive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody oh. says he's a pedophile in any of these movies. Well, oh, I'm going to come out and say it. I'm going to come out <laughs> Except and say it. Except the remakes. There are little girls riding around in frilly dresses going to Freddy, and this is where he takes us. I'm a little jaded, but yeah, I can tell that's what he's doing. He is explained as a filthy child murderer in the first movie. That's how he's uh, a murderer, not molester. No, it's a filthy child murderer. I mean, it's implied, right? I mean, obviously, it's there that you know, but it's just kind of weird that they like walk around that. You know, like they go out of their way to kind of walk around acknowledging that that's part of this. But in the remake, they go at it head on, and it really does like. It just gives you like, you know, and I'm you, like, you know, it's like in one hand, I'm glad that they didn't do it in the older ones because somehow it makes Freddy more of like an anti-hero where like in the remake, it makes him he's just like a, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a Which character you love. You're supposed to, you know, it's where a, you could kind of identify and love Freddy for his jokes and his silliness. Yeah. And then when they remade it, he's just a dirty, dirty. Yeah. You just want to take a shower after you watch him. That's all. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a filthy character. And and at least in these, he had his jokes and, and his fun moments. Yeah. I mean, come on. Didn't you point out he at one point he's wearing a chef's outfit? Yeah. The bon appetit, bitch. Bon appetit, yeah. Yeah. So, Everything's always followed. Like I said, but when, he, when he opens up his shirt and he's got the souls of the children. I like I mean, that That's pretty effect, dirty, right? I mean, that like... Not dirty, but that is irreprehensible. Well, but even then, it doesn't say he molested them. It says he took the lives of the children of the people who killed him. 
But my, I think my bar starts yeah, like, at murderers. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. just jump into the new generation. Don't, don't set but your bar it's, that it's low. It's like you know, it's the it's the idea that he's a soul eater or something. That's the right. souls are right. feeding him power, you know, and that I suppose explains why he's able to cross over into the real world in the scene in the junkyard, which we spoke about earlier. So there you go. I just fucking solved that one. Call uh, Luke. <laughs> because yeah. he had all the souls of the children. So it's not. I don't know. It's like life force. He's like a soul-sucking yeah, vampire. Nancy, because Nancy stabs him with like this fire poker, and she's like, "He's getting stronger. He's stronger than he's ever been." Yeah. Like that, you know, because that didn't do anything. He laughed it off and mm-hmm. pulled, pulled it, it off. Out. Well, yeah. that's when he said, "The souls of the children are making me stronger." Right. So, which they yeah. totally bring back in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, which is a remake of this movie. I'm they all are because like every single iconic moment from this, Joey. Gets uh, a scene with a naked chick. The one that comes up under the bed like a mermaid? In the water bed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, it's all the same stuff. In, so in I've Elm heard. Street 4. Lucky Who directed Joey. Nightmare on Elm Street? <clears throat> the first one? Yes. Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Who yeah. directed Scream? Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Why is Scream so much cooler than Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> oh! oh! For, for the listeners, in case oh, you didn't hear that. Sorry! <laughs> sorry! <laughs> D- Dave will be taken I out like of the, the house. <laughs> He'll be I don't escorted by. That is. I had to go there. That is. I am sorry. That is a roast pig at the next <laughs> next session. <laughs> no. I like Scream, and I don't like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Oh, really? None of yes. them? Not even the first one? Not, even. Really? Like the- Not the first one? No. Oh. Whoa! That's oh. shocking. Shocking, if, Dave. It's if a I had a, sorry, sorry, a goddamn sorry, American sorry. classic. Scary as hell. When I first saw that movie, it freaked me out. It was awesome. Well, the very first bag with Tina in the hallway yeah. where it starts to fill with blood, that's still well, one there's of my, like some the long graphic. goddamn arms walking down the hallway. Okay. I mean, oh, yeah, that fucking break. Oh, no. Maybe not sorry, the best sorry, to pull sorry off. Again. <laughs> Maybe the effect wasn't pulled off all that awesome. True, we have progressed past it in the modern day we have better special effects we saying that we have better spe- we can pull that off better now i, I don't remember. think so <laughs> no 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 this is this is where the podcast comes to life i think this- that, that goddamn uh the the scene in the tub they did that i don't know how you would do that better this right, wait wait wait, this- wait, 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 wait wait i gotta take issue with that Okay, I just don't like. I'm not the way saying it that goes. I'm not saying that it was done better in another movie. I'm saying Nightmare on Elm Street was Wes Craven redoing a scene from Deadly Blessing. Takes place in a tub. Has it's a there's a snake in the tub. Girls in the tub. Camera angles are exactly the same. He remade that scene in a Nightmare on Elm Street. This fist fight brought to you by the Saturday Night Freak Show. <laughs> ding ding. Uh, well, I'm just uh, saying that that was a, that was no. a remake of a scene that that, that he had done earlier. In his oh, career. so he had directed that film too? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. he, he made that movie, and that, that was like a test that, run. I'm cool with that because <laughs> he perfected it. Well, but it is that scene, like you said. Here you got Heather Langenkamp, this innocent little girl in the not little girl, but teenage girl. And then you got that glove coming up, and it, it, it indicates the violation of her. Right. I don't want to say virginity, like, no, but, but that's always innocence. implied, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, I guess because we're saying like because they don't overtly say that he is a uh, child molester, right? right? He's always using like psychosexual means to attack his victims. 
he's always like, you know, I mean, he's she's in the tub, and between her legs, this hand comes out. Uh, uh, um, Patricia Arquette is devoured by a very phallic he looking, eats her. you know, like yeah. Freddy head. Well, but uh, people are getting tied up with tongues. You know, that are flapping around, you know, being impaled on tongues. Uh, yeah. You know, there's the lure of topless women, you know. Well, and let's face it, stabbing, even even from Halloween on to this, stabbing is that penetration. It's that it's that symbolism of penetration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that ties in with it as well. How many times does Freddie attack someone in a bathroom? I'm just saying. In a bathroom? In a bathroom. I know at least two uh, scenes. Well, the There's, bathroom well, is the room in the house where you assume that you are the uh, safest because things go on there that, you know... Is that gonna, five when the shower and bathroom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. I forgot to throw my, my favorite... I didn't get my quite favorite. I said it's Tina, favorite. but I forgot. It's Monica Kina. Monica Kina. From Freddy vs. Jason. Jason. The little oh. blonde, doughy-eyed girl. She's my favorite nightmare girl. I forgot. I said Tina, Amanda Weiss, but I was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I will take a drink for that just because I was wrong on that one. <coughs> Fair enough. <sighs> Fair Elm enough. Street is goddamn classic, Dave. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I goddamn know, That sounds like... Well, wait, sounds I, have, like- I have some trivia on this also oh, because it just go. so happens that for no good goddamn reason, Brent and I were looking up the films of Wes Craven... Adjusted like his entire filmography adjusted for inflation to find out what was the where they all fit in. Scream has made something like a hundred and thirty seven million dollars. A Nightmare on Elm Street has made like how much you think, Gary? <laughs> I'm gonna say four hundred and fifty million. Take a drink. Thirty eight thirty eight million. Really? Yes, adjusted for today's dollars. It was like $38 million. I'm going to take a drink. It I may feel be bad 50. about it, but I'm going to do it. Might it be $50 million, but it, whatever, it was like shockingly low. I, you really? know, for that movie's I wouldn't have thought so, because I remember at the time, because it was out when I was going to the theaters, everybody loved it, and just that's all they were talking about. So, yeah. But I guess adjusted dollars. Well, I think them. you had like, I mean, A Nightmare on Elm Street, again, I guess we're talking about you know the franchise or the first movie in this series was a it was it was a slasher movie, right? Like all these slasher right. movies. A came Nightmare on Elm Street. The first oh, one. Yeah, the there was all one, these fantastic like fantastic kind of slasher movie. Well, but that's it what made it. It was, it was a slasher anything. that could attack you in your dreams. But yeah. that, but that's what made it different. I mean, like all you know, it's like you had so many fucking slashers in the eighties. The fact that they came up with something that was like, you know. He wasn't a hockey mask wearing. Okay, that's a bad example, but <clears throat> you know any one of the other. <clears throat> I I hate those hockey masks. The, the, oh, gross me out. Oh, that's I don't my favorite. Even, I never want to see those again. Well, the Friday the Thirteenth, or I just slasher them. movies in general. I hate <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I really they like me Dave. out. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Well, he's saying they creep him out. That right. means they're well, working. Well, that's good. I'll give you points yeah, for that. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. not that he's going like Friday the 13th. They're just, you know, without merit. Well, Jason's that no, great they're white not shark. Without he's like Michael. They're, Michael they're and Jason are great white sharks. They have no dialogue. They just come to kill. That's yeah, what they're they like, do. They're both the same guy. But I think most of the, you know, basically you change the mask and the, they act exactly the same. All of the slasher movies that came out in the 80s until Freddy Krueger 
were basically knockoffs of, you know, it's the silent assassin who, like, is mentally retarded, who shows up, you know, and kills Which you. Which was in a hundred movies in the 70s. But Freddy Krueger wasn't. But Freddy Krueger wasn't. But I think the, the template of the movie is, like, we're going to make a slasher movie. What's our hook? Our hook is he comes to you in dreams. And here in our origin story is that basically he's a ghost. Yeah. That's that's new, right? I mean, that's like a new thing that, that time, made sure. this made this character in this franchise like a huge fucking deal. Wait a minute, was Bad Dreams before this or after? After. Okay. And how is that connected to this movie, Gary? Bad Dreams is connected because it was Jennifer Rubin who played Terran was in Bad Dreams. Hello, Ray, for Captain Google. Yeah, you, well, you don't I have to like take a drink. That. That's why I was answering them all wrong. But <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so she went on to do something else. Uh, all right, we, we should probably we're getting kind of. Anybody else have mailbag. anything else to say did we, about a Nightmare on Elm Street before mailbag and wrap ups? Did we talk about uh, the origin story? Like this is the first time you get the origin story from the nun. No. We haven't, but yeah. You're so right. should we? Sure. Real quick, yeah. I mean, spoilers. I mean, this well, everybody, everybody's seen this movie by yeah. now. And if you haven't, you probably. Like I said, I was sitting there, like, saying the lines of dialogue along with it. Right. Word How long has it been since you've seen this, Dave? Word. This Nightmare on Street 3. Oh, I've seen it a hundred times, but I haven't seen it in ten years. Yeah. Early well, on. Well, you, you were even singing the video at the end, too, I think. A little. <laughs> you were word I'm for word. I'm very familiar with this. <laughs> He's seen it a couple times. I know it like the inside of my own. At least he club. wasn't air guitaring while he was doing docking. But <laughs> just real quick, I mean, early on we see this nun uh, walking the grounds of the insane asylum, and later on we find out that that is actually uh, Freddy's. At the very end of the movie, you find out that that's Freddy's mom. But she tells our main character the story of how Freddy was born and like the the horror that she saw. Or Freddy's mom saw and had to deal with, and that's kind of they're trying to explain why Freddy is the way that yeah, he is. Yeah, but I think that's a, that's what you have to do in a sequel, right? Right. Is the bastard son of a thousand? Maybe. <laughs> well, it's a hundred. We found out it's a hundred. It would have yeah. been better if it was a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome, right? The bastard, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so she got she got locked in this bell tower because they used to apparently keep the patients up there, the, yeah. the loonies here at the hospital. She got locked up there over Christmas break one year, and she was raped a hundred times, or apparently, you know. And yeah. one of those gave thousands. her and gave, thousands. <laughs> thousands. <laughs> one of those times gave us Freddie, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So that. They, but it's kind of, I mean, I think I respect this movie for doing that because that is kind of, you know, raising the bar. It's like you can't just do what was done before. You got to go after, like, I mean, they're going after, you know, we're opening up the world, we're bringing more people into it, and we're, uh, you know, expanding on this mythology of Freddy. You know, right. In a way that the second movie didn't have the imagination to do. Right. Right. All right. Time for. Uh, Mailbag. Mailbag. First, coming from, let's see, I said, you know, hey, comment on, uh, if you want to be heard on the Saturday Night Freak Show, uh, go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Every Thursday, we post a little uh, blurb about what we're watching that coming week. You write us a comment, we'll read it on the air. First of all, we've got a comment from Andrew Kalbfus, who says he's watching Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and playing Dokken at full blast. Andrew, uh, you are my nice. hero. 
which we should have mentioned the docking connection because I didn't get this when I was – I mean, I was a docking fan, right? Obviously. When I was a kid. But when this came out on uh, video, for some reason there was a rights issue. So if you saw this on, uh, I want to say maybe DVD, maybe not. If you saw it on VHS, the song that Kristen plays at the beginning of the movie is not uh, – what you hear in the theatrical cut and the theatrical cut and on Blu-ray and I think on DVD, it's Dawkins into the fire, which was already, a, that was one of their singles. Yeah. So that was out. Uh, they changed that in the VHS versions. Uh, I just noticed, you know, tonight actually, after seeing this movie a fucking hundred times, right? Just noticed that the first time we see Taryn, a yeah. thousand, thousand times <laughs> when we first see Taryn, she's wearing a Dawkins t-shirt. Uh, Dawkins did the song dream warriors, uh, for the theme for this movie, and uh, and did a music video that's pretty popular because it was on the original tape. I mean, like the tie-in with this song and this group was huge. At so the time. let me ask you this: on the VHS version, um, is it a, still a docking song? It's just not into the no, fire. No, it's not. A doc, it's not. Reference. There's no lyrics. It's yeah. like a similar sounding rocky kind of sound. Uh, insert song. insert. Anonymous group A, yeah, yeah. but it has yeah. guitars and it's tuned to sound kind it's like of like that. Tiger. No, it's some generic thing. I don't know. I can no, I don't know. Well, Andrew's got me thinking. What if you were to play Freddie Three with the, on mute and have the Dokken album going? Would they sync up? <laughs> no. Do we do a Dark Side no. of the Rainbow? No, they don't. Have you guys done it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Nick Hammond, longtime listener, frequent contributor, and sometimes podcast guest, says, Freddie is my number one guy right here, bitch. See what he did there? Yeah, we see it. He yeah, added all it. I remember the Nightmare movies being one of my first horror loves growing up, and the Dream Warriors is my second favorite behind the first. Well, I think that's pretty much the I gotta way go that it yeah, goes. That's yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. Nightmare movies are an annual marathon in the house and just started introducing my older son to the Freddy craze. Hopefully well, he's you, 17 man. years old because those films are rated R, Nick. <laughs> no, come on. Don't do that. We didn't watch them when we were 17. Well, I mean, I I, I don't know. Well, I, yeah. you might have been. Well, no, I, I, <laughs> I definitely saw them when I was young, but... Like I think that uh, now that I'm older, I'm like I don't know if I would show him to a you know. <laughs> well, not the well, first one. The first one's pretty rough. The first one's pretty. No, brutal. the first one's brutal. Pretty, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Long time listener, frequent contributor, Dom Cree writes question: What are your favorite written for film music tracks? Wait, personally, personally, he says I can't remember all of this movie, but the Dokken track is one of the highlights for me. Everybody's saying Dokken, 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 and Dream Warriors are like. Mine's Cabbage and I I have two. But I haven't got it. Kibbles and bits. <laughs> Red beans and rice. <laughs> Red beans and rice. Okay. Okay. What's, Wherever that went. What's yours? My two are Queen from Flash Gordon. Please no one sing it. Uh, and then second is Fast Way from Trick or Treat. Beans Those are my two favorites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on Huey Nick. Lewis and the news and back to the future. All right, Dave, what do we got? Favorite song written for a movie for a movie for a movie was specifically recorded for that movie soundtrack i thought we were going with one group that did a soundtrack no not the whole soundtrack they just said to be it's his favorite written for film music track mine is uh he's back the man behind the mask by alice cooper for friday the 13th part six then then under those parameters i have to go never surrender white lion from the wraith 
Was that written for that movie? Yes. Oh, I, I have always used that movie. Sir. Yeah, Whatever. I think it was made. That's Whatever, I'll take a drink. Whatever. Uh, one. <laughs> All right, then. And that's Nick, our friend from Australia. That was Dom. 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 Why do I... Nick was the first one. Yeah. Okay, Dom, a couple of sessions ago, we did... Uh, Trick or treat, and you had mentioned a robicide. I sat through that movie today just for you because we do appreciate our fans. And uh, that movie has the highest escalating body count I think I have ever seen in a horror movie. And yet people are still doing their aerobics in the gym. 15 people are dead. They're hauling them out like, you know, bales of corn. And yet here are people still doing aerobics. So good call, Nick. That was a fun movie. Dom. 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 Why do we keep saying Nick? This is a, a, uh, this is a, like a, a psycho killer on the loose well, of aerobics. And, and, and psycho killer, but their main weapon is is a big giant laundry bag safety pin. That's what they're stabbing people to death with. Well, you got to have something. Yes, Why do you have finger knives? We can't all have finger knives. Right. What so year is this? I want to say it was uh, eighty six or eighty seven. Yeah. Well, I found it. I just happened after we had done the show. I just happened to be flipping through a uh, horror playlist on YouTube. And this guy has 471 horror movies, and one of them is the illustrious Aerobicide or Killer Workout. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Don't say we never did nothing for you, Dom. I think that's, uh, Gary, you uh, took one for the team, so. Oh, well, I, I enjoyed, well, enjoyed, no, I did enjoy the body count, because I'm like, oh, my God, they're not closing down this gym? You know, why are these cops so incompetent? They're literally, the coroner is there hauling out a body, two guys get killed two seconds after he hauls, and he's back, and he's like, here's another one. I'm like, why are we not shutting down this gym? But go ahead, I'm sorry. It was the 80s. Yeah, it was the I 80s. Guess. Yeah, there we, we go. we got to get our workout on. Yeah, and now we have to do wrap-ups on The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Gary, that means you're up. Okay, uh, this is, again, like we had mentioned, behind number one, this is my favorite of the movies because it gave the characters a chance to fight back against Freddy. I do think, and it also explains some of Freddy's origin. The kids in the first movie, they just were ill-prepared, except for Nancy, you know, Johnny Depp, and... and uh, uh, well, uh, Amanda Weiss, Tina, they just got taken out. And Rod in the jail cell, they really didn't stand a chance against him. Uh, she figured it out. She kind of brought it to life. And then in this movie, uh, as you said, the Dream Avengers came along. And they all had kind of had their superpowers and they could fight back. Some of them good, some of them not so good. you know. And in the end, only two or three made it out. But uh, it is good. I, I like the special effects in this movie. Uh, like we were talking about, the marionette scene is still one of the most visceral scenes for me. It, it does kind of, when I see this guy's feet sliced open, and we're not talking about a little cut. We're talking about wide open. It looks like chunks of meat have been dug out of his feet. It makes my feet hurt when I look at that thing. It, it bothers me. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, good for them in that in that aspect. Uh, some of the scenes to me... And I know they're not Ray Harryhausen, but that's what they reminded me of. The skeleton in the graveyard, the marionette. That's, you know, they were just really cool scenes. Uh, Patricia Arquette, other than that, that shrill scream, she was a cool character. I did like her quite a bit because she tied it together to where she could bring them into her dreams. And as Colin pointed out, then that gave us the bridge to the next movie. You know, uh the other things, uh, some of the scenes were really cool. The the whole starting to walk in prime time bitch and calling all the characters. This is where Freddie started to lose it for me a little bit because he became a comedian. You know, 
Uh, I did in the first one. He was terrifying in the first movie. He really was scary. I mean, the scenes where, you know, he only spent less than seven minutes on screen in the first movie, but he was the most terrifying character. Yeah. And, but I, I do think it, it gives credit to the franchise. Some of the later movies lost a little bit of it. They had a few scenes that were good, but for the most part, it was just jokes with Freddy and kill a kid. Uh, but in, in, in my opinion, this is one of the better of the, uh, you have one. And then this, this is my second favorite of the, of the series. So uh, it's kind of a short wrap up for me. That's all I've got for this one. I do like Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne's character. Larry. Uh, yeah. Larry. That's what I said in the movie. You can tell if he's Lawrence or Larry by the way he's walking, you know, it, it, that's how you determine which one he is. Uh, he was good in the movie. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ken, I, how do you pronounce his name? Sagos, Sagas. He played Kincaid. Uh, he went on to play one of my favorite characters in a movie called Rosewood. He was a uh, big baby. And, uh, I know a lot of people are like, what? What movie is that? But check it out. Rosewood is a good movie. Um, uh, the kid that played, what was his name? Joey. Rodney Eastman. He was also in the remake of I Spit on Your Grave. Really? Yes. I haven't seen that. <clears throat> he was in Mobsters, Flight of Black Angel, and Chopping Mall. He was in all of those. And if you're a wow. child of the 80s, you remember Chopping Mall. I remember Chopping Mall. Yep, see? And then the other thing. There was that, Killbots. Uh, the right. girl that played Taryn, Jennifer Rubin, she was also in The Crush. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, she was the Alicia, uh, Silverstone's mom. Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. So, and then the other thing, uh, that I wanted to bring up is Bradley Gregg, who played Philip, the marionette character. Uh, he was in Stand By Me, uh, the movie Madhouse with John Larroquette and Kirstie Alley. He played the nephew that was dealing cocaine. I'm the only one that's seen it. Okay. So, (laughs) and then he was also in Class of 1999, which me and Travis both love. So, uh, a good fun cast. The uh, the only other one was Neil Gordon, uh, Craig Wasson. He played in uh, Body Double, Ghost Story, Carney, and The Boys in Company C. For those, all guys. we care about is Ghost Story, Body Double, and Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. Not seen Carney with Gary Busey that plays a psychotic clown. No, nope. you need to watch that. That's an awesome movie. Jodie Foster's in that movie, and, and then of course Heather Langenkamp who did the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Star Trek Into Darkness. Other than that, I got nothing on her. Just the ten of us. The oh. TV show. Yeah, like I said, I've got nothing on her after that. <laughs> so, but that's unless she's rapper. married to a makeup effects guy. I, I, yeah, w- I wish. Yeah. I wish she had nothing on. I do strongly recommend this movie. If you're a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, you have to watch this movie. Don't just watch the first one and go, oh, that's good, and then leave off. And if you watch this, then watch the second one. I apologize. Then watch this one, and you'll feel better about yourself. And that's it for me. Uh. I, I mean, I recommend this movie because, you know, it's like half of it's nostalgia. You know, I like I, I don't I'm like I'm so familiar with this movie. I can quote lines from it as we're watching it. Ken so did. <laughs> did. <laughs> well, I've seen it like a hundred fucking times. So it's like this has become like, you know, a pair of socks that you wear like every week or something like that. I don't know. It's it's very familiar. You know, I know what that damn socks is going to feel like. It is his lucky, <laughs> it is his lucky horror movie socks. <laughs> Brent's about to bust it. <laughs> I got it here. Uh, uh, so I've never heard of a horror movie being described as a pair of socks that I could a wear. Warm a pair it's of comforting. socks. Comforting. <laughs> Comfort food. Um, I appreciate that this movie. Okay, so you know, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street being a horror film classic, I think that this uh, is one of those rare sequels that uh, is. 
justifiable, right? Like so many sequels just seem like they're like well, it definitely builds on the genre. Yeah, it changes it into a completely different genre. I think it takes yeah. it from a horror movie to like every Nightmare on Elm Street movie from this point until uh, New Nightmare is horror fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like yeah. it's a it's an exercise in the imagination. So we're going to come up with these new ways that aren't like completely grotesque, you know. Even with the contemporaries of the day killing people with, you know, barnyard implements or whatever, right? Or whatever you have on hand. It's like now you're turning people into their worst fears, and that includes these gigantic, elaborate, uh, I think for the time. I mean, we're still saying these are relatively low-budget movies. You know, it's like low-budget with a couple extra, you know, $100,000 so they can pull something off. But I still get the impression that they're like, there's a bunch of guys like working under very tight circumstances to pull this shit off. You know, before the thing goes to theaters, um, I think it shows a lot of imagination. I think uh, you know, there's wooden performances. I think you know, you look at Heather Langenkamp; she's uh, not a very good actress, but I love her as Nancy. You know, I mean, yeah, but- I love seeing her in these movies. I don't know if I'd want to see her in anything else. Unfortunately, uh, I think Craig Wasson like outacts himself. I mean, like everything I've seen him in, he's very good, and oh, he's very good in this, even though it's like. Probably, you know, a not, uh, you know, I mean, the guy probably wanted to be doing, he came off working for with Brian De Palma in 1984, right? Now he's on A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. I mean, that can't be an awesome ego uh, boost for your career, but I think the guy, you know, does very, you know, he's a good actor. Priscilla Pointer, the uh, the nurse ratchet, like... Uh, well, and that's, that's and, what I wanted to bring up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that she's also good. I mean, there's like good... Uh, especially from the adults. Well, well real Heather quick. Heather Camp, uh, be damned. Real quick side Good, note. Solid she did work. say in the uh, Never Sleep Again documentary, she goes, I played that character. I thought I came across as feeling for these kids and trying to help these children. And what she said, and then she goes, everyone comes to me and goes, why are you so mean to the kids? She goes, and I didn't think I played it that way at all. She goes, I thought I was trying to be caring. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's interesting. I mean, you have to have that perspective if you're an actor, obviously, going into it. I think there's little bits of that there. That's why I think it's a decent performance. There's not a lot to the character, but I do think, you know, that she actually does care about the kids. She's just, you know. Uh, the way she approaches her she's approach based is, in the real is, world. Uh, you know, yeah, because we know that Freddy Krueger is a real thing. Uh, we forgot to mention in, in the movie, in the movie, like we know Freddy Krueger is really killing these kids. She does not. Um, we forgot to mention uh, that Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor show up in this movie for yes. no good fucking reason whatsoever. A talk show? On a talk show, Dick Cavett turns into Freddy Krueger and kills Zsa Zsa Gabor. That's because, amusing. I mean, that's a fuck what she. But thinks. that is kind of you know. I mean, like you know, like I said, I, this is the tilt from this series from horror to horror comedy, comedy. fantasy. Uh, this one is the purest uh, shot in the arm of that that you can get. I think after this, it becomes diluted. And kind of runs off into self parody by the time they get to Freddy's death. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. like making fun of itself, and then it's not like legitimate as anything anymore. And then Wes Craven had to come along and do something different again, which he did with a New Nightmare. I mean, that's a, another reinvention of the, you know. So I, yeah, I like the way that he doesn't. trapped in the movie. Yeah, but I, I like the way he's not sitting there, like, you know, like, let's say the Friday the 13th sequels do where you just kind of make the same or the Halloween sequels where you make the same movie every, every time at bat Wes Craven, although I don't necessarily think he's the greatest filmmaker in the world, at least is a thoughtful, uh, 
uh, filmmaker. You know, he doesn't go in there and go like, well, all we have to do is fucking do the other one again and just change all the names and boom, set it in a hospital and it's, you know, a new movie. He at least is saying, this is my baby and I created it and where else can we go with this and trying to come up with something new, you know, to do with it. I know on this he's credited as an executive producer and story because apparently he wrote a script that got drastically rewritten. But I mean, the core idea that you have Nancy and uh, her dad, uh, that's the Nightmare on Elm Street story, you know, opposite Freddy. This is a long wrap up. But I would say I, I recommend this film uh, go out and buy the Dokken. Uh, song. Dave, <laughs> you weren't that long. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank everybody for having me over here tonight. Okay, not, please come back and bring your rips. <laughs> yes, I, oh, or just come back. Be glad to come back and bring ribs. <laughs> or just yourself. And I won't bring Doc and I won't bring any <laughs> You might bring sort some of, movies like uh, what were you I'll bring, I will not bring any kind of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. He's going to bring a movie that's going to torture Colin, though, until we Actually, um, Colin <laughs> is trying to guess a movie that I, I, I've, I've stumped him with. Yeah, you got me. It's almost like Stump the Colin. All right, so here we go. We'll throw it out to you guys on Facebook. No, you can help me out. Who can stump that? Why not? Facebook. Okay, then we'll, no, we'll just go away. That, that wasn't a rule, though. That wasn't a rule. Right, I can't look it up on the IMDb. So here are the hints that I have. And somebody's just going to go, well, Jesus Christ, you idiot. It's this movie. It stars River Phoenix. And please phrase it, it that stars, way. It stars, I believe, uh, Tracy Ullman, William Hurt, and, uh, and Keanu Reeves has a scene in it. And it's from uh, the early 90s, I'm assuming. And a comedy. And it's a comedy. It's one of the funniest movies ever. I can't remember what the hell this movie is. And Dave, I have sworn to Dave that I will not look this up on the IMDb. So <laughs> you, Saturday Night Freak Show listener, uh, can get a hold of us on Facebook and tell me what this movie is. Thank you very much. Bam! God damn you, Colin Clark. <laughs> right to hell for doing that. There are- I appreciate being a guest on the Saturday Night Freak Show with everybody. I loved cooking, and uh, it was fun bullshitting. Awesome. What'd Cheers. You, what'd you Cheers. think of... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I thought it was a horrible movie. Oh, I don't think they can hear that. I think we're okay. I, I'm going to just pretend like that didn't happen. Oh, it happened. I heard it. I can't oh, erase it. Oh. I'm sorry. I thought it was terrible. You've seen it a hundred times. Why'd you see it? Terrible. <laughs> well, why would you watch a movie you hate a hundred times? Same reason you pull that band aid off. We had to put it in when we were working. Oh. It was an R-rated movie. We wouldn't show stuff like that in a video store that we both might have worked at, which oh. shall remain nameless. Is that so? To the listeners, <laughs> there's a little bit of backstory here. Colin and Dave used to work at a nameless video store, and apparently they watched a lot of R-rated <laughs> movies, <laughs> which may or may not have been located on the station. <laughs> We're finding out this out. Sorry, now. wasn't your pick, but I just thought it was a horrible movie. That's all right. I had a pillow full of soap out. No. <laughs> I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I'd be in the Bahamas. And there's nothing I could say that was good about it. I mean, nothing? No, nothing? One no. thing? And the boobs. The boobs. The boobs were good. It all comes back to the boobs. It does come yeah. back to the we boobs. We are creatures of habit. Drug. Thank you, Dave. That I mean, that's all you have to say. The boobs were fantastic in this film. And I think that uh, that's that's not... That, well, okay, so that's one of the reasons why I like this film. I mean, as... Early on, I probably I, I'm sure I didn't see this at the theaters because I was seven years old, but I saw it 
in the early ages, uh, early preteens. What am I trying to say here? Preteens, I saw this film, right? And I, I don't know if we went in order, but we got our hands on whatever, whatever nightmare movie we get our hands on, we did. And they were all fantastic. You know, you'd scare the shit out of you. Then you got to go downstairs and like get a soda or popcorn, but you have to go as a group. Everybody has to go together because it's the middle of the night and the parents are asleep. And you know, I'm you're not admitting that. You're I'm freaked sorry. out about Freddie. No, we'll let Brent ride that bus alone. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I was 28 at the time. So <laughs> okay, that's uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but I'm talking like 12 year olds, you know, like just scaring the shit out of each other. Uh, you know that that's what uh, these films are all about. They're trying to elicit a response. It's you know horror, and I've said this before. I think maybe not on the podcast, but horror and pornography and comedy are all you know they're. They're going for the money shot. They're trying to get a reaction out of you. It's a very specific reaction. Horror movies want you to be scared. Comedies want you to laugh. And pornos, we all know what that is, right? Just call it pornography. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pornography. Um, but that's not the only reason why I like the Freddy movies. I think they stand out because there's other themes going on. And I think we've touched on them tonight. A big one for me is because it just seems like tragic to me is the idea that there's all these teenagers out there and all they need to do is get their parents' attention and they might be able to get some help. <laughs> but their parents are the biggest assholes. You know, and we're talking about and the first one, these people that not I'm not justifying what they did at all. Well, I, I, I'm justifying what they did to Freddie. How do I say this? I 80s mean, parents suck. Yeah, 80s, <laughs> 80s parents don't give a shit about their kids. You know, they're too into their going on their dates and their careers. And they're usually not that this matters, but they're single parents that are, you know, they're they're so self-centered that they just ignore their children. Even when these kids are like, Mom, if I go to sleep, I'm going to fucking die. (laughs) They don't care. You know, I mean, it's like album is speaking to me backwards, but I'm going to go out with Rambo. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I. I'm not calling bullshit, but I do not agree with what, and it's her opinion. The nurse that said in the documentary that, uh, you she know, she thought she was being more, she thought she was caring being for the more children. caring because yeah. well, that's more than the parents were apparently more than the parents were, but that's not an adult with no, authority she, in these movies. They don't care. They well, don't listen. But they, in fairness to her, she didn't know that Freddie was a real thing. She just thought they're all freaking out. But like we brought up earlier, how do you have nine children who have never met each other are dreaming about the same person? And right. that's 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 a coincidence. Well, I don't even think that she has let that sink into her. Like, even if they say that to her, she just writes it off. She never. Well, she she's said not, it's guilt and parent. What was it? Guilt and something else. She said that so that they would be group guilt dreaming or yeah. no. Yeah. Basically, basically, were. it's you're committing sins, so suffer for your sins. You're 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 having bad dreams because you're you're sinful is how it came across anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, anyhow, I always like that. I mean, even in the first one, to the point where her. Her dad, you know, and I guess in the first one, it's more like they don't want to talk about it because they know what they did to Freddie. Right. And now that that their daughter knows what was going on, like, how do you know that? How do you know that we burned this child murderer, you know? So he's just, denial is a, it's a powerful thing. But throughout the, the films, 
since it seems like they've taken that like especially this one uh patricia arquette's mom is just awful <laughs> like you know i mean there's there's no redeeming quality about her so when she eventually gets her head ripped off by freddie it's pretty great and she's still like yelling at you know what's her name patricia Kristen. Kristen. she's still yeah. yelling at Kristen, and it's just it's great um so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that these films are out to make some huge statement, but I think that there is enough uh, layers to them that they're interesting, and you know, I think that as they go, they do lose some of that interest by by becoming more of like you say, like a mockery of themselves. But I think that this one is the one that this one's the one that. You get it. You still get the gold before it goes all bad, because you get the backstory to Freddy, which I'm sure was contrived for this movie. But at the same time, it all works. You know, it fits. And then in later films, I guess you get to see some of that. But but this one, you get you get (laughs) you get Nancy. So we we already talked about it, but now we're going to show it to you. Yeah, Yeah, it really gets. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, at some point, yeah, you know, they're they're it's a paycheck. They're making money. They're they're printing money, but this one still seems like it has enough of a creative background to it and with having Wes Anderson or Craven? Wes Anderson, Wes Craven. Saying, wow. <laughs> this Wes would be a, Anderson. this would What's be a different film on Elm Street. Oh, I want to see that film. <laughs> but also watching this one, it's I like also Inception with Freddy. There, yeah, I, I would like to see that movie. I would like to see uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for Inception mashup. That would be that would be awesome. Um, so I recommend this film. Watch it. Watch all of them. Um, yeah. Sorry about two in a marathon. We're all sorry about two. We're all sorry about uh, two. I mean, this is the thing. Like, all these movies are critic proof. There's really nothing that we can say that you've already seen it, right? <laughs> or, or if you're watching one of them, you're going to watch them all. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah. Oh, uh, you just put it down. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, so that's it for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. You can find all of our past episodes on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pod Bay, Cast Roller. Uh, tune in radio and player FM and catch us on facebook.com slash Saturday night freak show where you can, you know, like I said, leave a comment. We will read it on the air next week. It's my pick. And I'm going to pick Nightbreed, the director's cut, which is like a yes. long time coming. Apparently this thing is, uh, has never been seen until now. Movie was released 1990 put together in the way the director intended it 2014. We're going to watch it next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. And until then, welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>